All right. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning technology, cutting through the fluff and getting the questions answered you need answered to build out your digital ecosystem. It is the season finale, last episode of 2019, and I am joined with uh, Andrea Laus, and today we're talking about digital role play with interactive video. So before we get started, those of you who are watching, please feel free to share, tag in people who will benefit from the conversation. But um, I'm excited to get started. We had a chance to get to know each other a little more before we got on. So thanks for being here, Andrea. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I follow all your sessions and I'm so, so happy to be here with you tonight. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, we'll we'll get started on, on a non-learning technology company. I don't even know the answer to this yet, but given it's the winter season, we're about to go out on holiday break. Uh, my question for Andrea, and, and I'm looking forward to hearing this, is what is your winter hobby that you do in, in the winter? Well, obviously, winter hobby. Well, uh, since I'm in Switzerland at the moment, I, I travel a lot and I'm normally very much in the US, but at the moment I'm talking from Switzerland and it's uh, almost evening here. Of course, Switzerland has the Alps and my favorite hobby, of course, is skiing. Okay. Yeah, okay. That, that, of course, is not that easy because I have no time to do that, but you know, <laughs> I, at least I can dream about it. Okay, so my question, so skiing, not snowboarding. Have you tried yeah. snowboarding? No, never tried actually, but I, I, I'm not that familiar with that. With that specifically, I love skiing, and okay. I've always done that before. And I, I don't dare. I'm, I'm not 20 any longer, so I don't. <laughs> so yeah, so I I snowboard. I got into snowboarding early, and I will say it's not. I don't think I would have picked it up at as old as I am now because I would definitely break something if I tried to learn to snowboard at this age. So was it something you started when you were young? Did you ski yeah. from a very young age? Okay. I suppose that makes sense being in Switzerland. When you grow up in the Midwest of the United States, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of hills to, to practice on. Yeah, of course. Now here is beautiful, and sometimes when it's uh, very sunny outside and you here in the office, you say, "Hey, today I lost one day of skiing." But anyway, there we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey. So let's get into it. You know, one just to get to know you a little bit better. Tell me a little bit about your background and how did you end up getting into you know learning technology or is your background in L and D? What is your background? Good. So, well, my background is in economics, but I am in this business since twenty years. So my first company was uh, founded twenty years ago to develop multimedia when uh, multimedia for training, where multimedia was something very new twenty years ago, and then it developed all the way down to where we are here and okay. I'm skills you. Okay, got it. Well, so let's get into this. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about what the skill gym workflow looks like. But tell me a little bit about, you know, obviously, you created this platform because you saw a problem out there. So tell me a little bit about what you saw that made you say, you know what, hey, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go create a platform that I think I can do this better than than what exists today. Yeah, let me let me give you an, a, a general framework of what we're talking about. Basically, of course, we're talking about conversations. We're yep. talking about one of the most important tools of human, which is the possibility of talking to each other. And by the way, there are some conversation that really makes a difference, of course, but generally speaking, conversation in my personal vision, but as long as I know everybody I talk to, in the end, share the same feeling. Conversations are at the center of whatever in any organization. I mean, you can be a leader, you can be a sales guy, you can be whatever, but in the end, it all goes down to conversation. You open your door, you find someone, you need to talk to them. Of course, there are some informal conversation, but here I'm talking about those, let me say, critical conversations where there is some negotiation in between. And that's a real, real key point because on one side, conversation are a big challenge for anyone. And the reason is people are not comfortable with conversation. Okay. That's, a, that's a key point. I mean, uh, I, I see And that's not new, right? That's not new either. Yeah. People have struggled with being comfortable with conversations before this whole digital revolution. Yeah, of course. And by the way, the digital brought in, in, into the picture something that people thought about 
where conversation could be less relevant, but instead it was the other way around. I mean, the more technology you bring in, the more the conversation makes a huge difference in between of people to understand each other and to find a way to deal with whatever. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think if anything, this, like you said, I think people thought technology was going to make these skills less important. Yeah. I, I speak quite a bit about the fact that I think digitization and automation is actually making the human skills more important than they have been in the past. Yeah, you know what? We have run a lot of surveys with our clients. By the way, we serve uh, hundreds of clients around the world with thousands of people practicing with what we do. So we have a, a huge audience and we run a lot of surveys. You know what happens is that very clearly, not only people are typically out of the comfort zone when it comes to business conversations. And by the way, we, we we deal with leadership conversations. So let me okay. focus on that area. Leadership conversation. We see a lot of leaders who basically state and they admit they are out of the comfort zone when it comes to those conversations. But at the same time, when we interview the employees they work that work for those leaders, they tell us that they really feel the lack of the ability of those leaders to run proper conversation at the right time. And that that's a very, very important point. And every time we deliver a webinar, we talk to a lot of learning and development professionals, and every time the, the point is always the same. Everybody say conversations are a big challenge. And that's that. That's where we started from, actually. We started okay. from this, this point. And the other problem is that uh, it's not just about conversation being a tough subject to deal with, but it's also about the fact that we normally see the learning and development professional and department, generally speaking, they hardly can face those challenge the right way because of lack of resources, lack of time, okay. and sometimes lack of methodology and technology that can help them to scale the solution that can help them deliver. Well, and this is what we were talking about before in terms of the focus on, on knowledge versus experience. And I think that's what you're getting at, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of the lack of resources and time. I mean, I know I've struggled with it through my career to have the resources to be able to scale. Experiential learning, I guess, would be the L&D buzzword. But, you know, yeah. it can be difficult to scale that, especially on a global level. Yeah. Let, let me show you one slide, if you don't mind. There is a little picture I love to share with you because it says it, says it all in one single screen. It should be All right. Yep. Well, there we go. Should be there. Okay. I think it says it all. I mean, our experience around the world is that most of the time this is unbalanced. I mean, learning and development uh, professionals and department inside organization are very well prepared to deliver a lot of knowledge. Meanwhile, trainees look for experience, especially in certain areas. I mean, I'm not talking general. I'm not saying that this is true everywhere. But, oh, and certainly there are a lot of topics where knowledge is king again. But I, I think that a balance is required, especially in the area we're talking about. I mean, you, you, if you talk about conversations and if you want to learn about conversation, knowledge is close to zero. I mean, the yeah. importance is very low. Everybody know about how to deal with a conversation until they enter the conversation. Well, and that's what we were talking about before we went live is the fact that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong. And I think this is where sometimes people get a little feisty, right? In that they feel like when you start talking about the importance of, of knowledge or, or experience, they feel like you're saying that the content or the knowledge isn't important. And that's yeah. not, that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying it's a balancing act. And right now we're, we're over indexed on, on the knowledge piece. And I think the other thing that is interesting is you said this, when it, when it comes to these conversations, you can think, you can watch all the content you want about how to have a difficult conversation or how to have one of these critical conversations. And then you have to do it. And that is a whole nother, that's a whole nother skill set to take that knowledge from, you know, in your head to actually carrying it out. Yeah, the reason is that conversation is not about knowing how to do that. It's about doing that. And doing that is about behaviors, it's about emotions, it's about the mindset, it's about the feeling and the comfort you have. I mean, the confidence you have with, with those conversations. And confidence gets uh, acquired by experience. There is nothing else. Nothing can replace experience in growing confidence and self-awareness. There is nothing like that. 
Yeah. So let's talk about how Skill Gym works because this is something that is helpful for the viewers to see. Okay, how, I, we hear what you're saying. We understand this whole focusing on experience, but from the end user, what does that experience look like? How, how are you actually making this come to life? Yeah, okay, let me start from one little comparison that will help uh, those uh, who are listening now uh, to uh, understand a little bit what we're talking about. I'm sure you're familiar with role play. Everybody is. Yes. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, I don't think anybody in L&D would say, what's role play? I've never yeah. heard of that. <laughs> I always ask, but normally the answer is, yeah, of course, role play. I've done it before. We deliver a lot of role plays. Okay, so Skill Gym is a role play. It's a digital role play, and it's digital for a number of reasons. And they all come down to overcoming some of the historical limitations of role play. Let me tell you three of those limitations that we overcome, and then I'll show you a, a few uh, snapshots yeah. that will show you how the UX looks like. So three elements. Role plays are, are a lovely tool, but one of the problems is that they are not scalable. Completely and when agree. I say scalable, let me just underline this because it can someone can think about bringing role play to a lot of people. That's typically what we associate to the word scale or scale up. It's not necessarily that. The problem here is that if you wanna if, if you wanna change a behavior, you need to practice consistently over time. I mean, it's not just about don't do it once. Yeah, it's not about reading a book. It's not about having a class, and it's not about playing once. If you make a comparison with a sport like tennis, I mean, if you go on the field and you play once, it's nothing. I mean, you can't play with the champions certainly. No. You need consistent practice. That's where you scale up. The problem is that if you go with traditional role play, you can ask one people to play once, maybe two times, maybe three times, but believe me, that's not enough. That's not enough. You need to play consistently for weeks or even months to make sure that you acquire that confidence and self-awareness in your skills that makes the all difference in the way you deal with those conversations. So the first problem of traditional role play, not scalable. And then, of course, we can say they are not even, uh, let me say, unexpensive enough to go for large population. But that's a second side of the problem. Then another, another of the problem is that you can't measure a role play, a traditional one, in an objective way. And the old saying goes, like, what you don't measure, you won't change. And again, technology here can make a huge difference. You can actually measure a digital role play in several ways. And last but not least, I'm sure it probably happened to you as well as it did to me. When you play a real a real life role play, you feel scared. You don't yeah. feel safe because you have a lot of people around you. And I mean, that, that, that's not a comfortable situation. So again, when you go digital, you can play alone and you can actually overcome that limitation. Well, and I think right. So you hit on three of the the big challenges. Scalability, I think, is is an obvious one for a lot of a lot of folks. I think the second one you hit on that sometimes can spark some debate is you know the the consistency. You know, you can't measure consistency consistently. And I think we have over the years maybe found some ways to create rubrics or things to try and make it more consistent. But the reality is, you still have a person assessing what those rubrics are, and I think that is always a little bit of a a, a variable of will people measure it consistently? So I think that's that's a fair point, you know, in terms of that piece. So yeah, no, I, I think you hit on many of the challenges that exist yeah. when it comes to role play. Yeah. So absolutely. how does it work then? <laughs> let, let me share the screen. Well, it's already there. If you can just yep. share the slides again, and let me just move to the next one. I, I've prepared a slides I thought about showing it live but you know the connection in this live session can be a problem you know it would, so, you know would blow up the show would end things would go ter terribly wrong if we did it yeah of course so but anyway there is still the option for anyone just send the email and we'll be happy to show it live if you want to dive in so here is the digital role play Digital role play is a system which looks like a movie, an interactive movie. By the way, the, the, the comparison you did with that episode, it's uh, that's the Bandersnatch. Yeah, you know, a fair amount of people did reach out. Uh, and even in the comments, some people were like, I, I actually had to Google that. But yeah, it, I think it is a fair comparison. Yeah, that's a fair comparison. Basically, what we did was taking a professional actor, 
we made it pre-recorded. And the reason is that we don't want him to be there when you need it, because when you need it, it won't be there. And so we, we, we need to make it scalable everywhere, mobile. So we decided to pre-record the actor and the actor is there, is real time. So the guy is there and he moves and he... So it's he, a real person. Yeah, it's a video of a real person. It's a video of a real person that, that's a professional actor with a movie director, with a psychologist behind, and everything is done perfectly in line with the, the real behavior we want him to show. Then you have the possibility to interact with this guy following certain paths that we propose you by showing options that pop up at the right time with possible things you can say. Each of those options is one piece of a dialogue that hide in, in the back there is a behavior so an observable behavior. for example if i ask you how are you that's that's gonna be an open-ended question asking an open-ended question which is one of the behavior of a skill asking question belonging to one competency that could be active listening on things like that the thing is that and this is where we differentiate for whatever is on the market today is that even if the actor is pre-recorded, we have an AI engine inside the system made up of 12 different algorithms that control the flow of the discussion. So basically, next time you go in, even if you come to the same point and you have the possibility to say the same thing, it may happen that the guy will answer a different way. And that's So that was one question I was going to ask, and that's actually extremely helpful because... Right. We've seen I've seen it. I've tried. I've designed them in the past you know, where you create kind of these scenarios but once you've gone through it, right, you, you know you know what to expect because it's it's the same path. Um, so yeah. it's dynamically shifting. Yeah, that what you're talking about is probably the idea of branching, which yes, is exactly. Of, you know, I say that you answer this way and so on, which is the opposite of life. In life, I mean, <laughs> it's if, dynamic. Yeah, if we start over, this conversation is going to be different anyway. It will be completely life. different. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So this is what we call the flow of the conversation. So basically, the guy on the screen, he will adapt according to what's going on. So for example, you start the right way and then you make a mistake, it will go ahead and then at a certain point, maybe you will answer no to one key question because you remember about what you said before, which was not a good thing according to the guy. And you can see that because the mood of the guy along the conversation will change and you can see all the small nuances like, you know, uh, his eyes looking like this, the mouth uh, he, scratching his face, whatever, just like in real life. And that's very, very powerful. Because so I have to imagine, and sorry to cut into this, I have to imagine that's a fair amount in terms of the scripting that out or planning that there has to be a fair amount of planning on your end on the back end to actually plan these scenarios out and, and be able to say, hey, we need to do the nuance of your facial expressions or things like that in terms of as you're building this. Well, uh, certainly that's not easy. I mean, this is a very easy to go product because you go inside and it's really authentic you really have the feeling of having someone in front of you and sometimes sometimes you get caught by the emotion of the situation we call it yeah. authentic but in the background that's very complex because of course there are a lot of algorithms that in real time they scan what's going on to adapt and select the right video to show up and even before of that there is a lot of methodological work to do uh, in about about scripting and matching the scripts with the right behaviors because again that's all about helping people to check out in real life or virtual life what is the impact of their behavior? And I'll okay. come to this in, in a while when we yeah. talk about how the methodology yeah. works. So it's so it's not you're just presented with these same, I'm looking at the blue blocks. It's not, okay, this stage in this, you're always presented with these same blue blocks and the outcomes will always you know, be the same dynamic thing. It's yeah. It's evolving. Yeah, it's not like that. In fact, what, what happens is that, of course, those, those guys in, in, on the screen, they are very, very difficult people, of course. These are critical conversations. So you go in, you think you're very well off, and then for some reasons, the conversation goes totally south. And so you, you say, hey, come on, I want to go back in and let's try again. And you think you can actually game the, the simulation, but... It starts in a different way, and whatever you do, it will react differently. And you say, "Hey, what 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 happens here?" So that that's yeah. really, really. So you can't do what you do with compliance training and just hammer your way through the quiz, yeah. and then once you realize you didn't pass, 
Yeah, you just no keep way. running the quiz over and over until you get through it. No way. But <laughs> still, you can't say whatever you want. This is one of the things yeah. people normally ask. And my answer, by the way, we are on the way to develop a version where you can actually talk to the character, but is is not that more effective. I mean, it doesn't make any difference. I'm I'm sure you you have the same experience I have, which is that of reading a novel, a book, and then going to the movies, looking at the movie, and then going out and say that the book was much better. And the typical reason is because the book is written in a way that you imagine the story in your mind. Mm -hmm. So all the behaviors pop up in your mind in a way which is very realistic. So the, the way we write those scripts doesn't need anything more than that for understanding the tone and everything else you can put into the conversation. But at the same time, and this is very important, you can't say what you want. And the reason is you're here to be trained. You're here to learn. And we normally say, this is a joke, but we normally say you have all the rest of the day to say what you want. And and by the way, if they brought you here, it's because probably what you normally say isn't the right thing. We don't want to reinforce the bad behaviors. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, but it makes sense. I mean, you need to be driven throughout a certain a certain amount of path where you can actually experiment different reactions, and all the methodology goes down to collecting experience so yeah. at the end of the day the more you play the more you will realize that feeling that we normally call the deja vu i'm sure you're familiar with that yep. so sometimes you feel like hey i've done it before i've seen this this situation before what really happens is that your limbic system i don't want to be too technical here but your limbic system inside your brain basically mesmerize in, in, in a fantastic way all the experiences you live in an emotional way and so the more you play and the more you start associating your behaviors with reactions and it will be the the result will be much more confidence in that type of conversation and okay. let, me, let me just define the word confidence here by confidence what i mean is the feeling of i have been here before i know what to expect and so i am confident in that situation and that's what makes the difference between knowing about a conversation and having it done before yeah. Well, and that helps because one of my follow-up questions was going to be, inevitably, there has to be pushback or questions about, so can you customize the responses? And while the answer is no, that's extremely helpful to understand why. And, and in many ways, that's almost an intentional, we're trying to guide you to the right behaviors. And I like the, right, you're, you're reading the book, you're seeing how it should play out. Yeah, well, of course, we do customization. Of right. On call, it makes sense sometimes, especially when population is very large. However, my number one recommendation is that we are not here to instruct people. So forget about things like you have to say that way or you need to follow that path. Here, we are here to let people experience specific situations that may look or may not look very much like the ones you will deliver today or tomorrow or you're going to face tomorrow in real life, but that certainly will include those small breaks that entering your brain will help you make it more automatic to recognize situation and react accordingly with a very much higher confidence and self-awareness. Okay. And one of the questions that came through in the chat was, right, is there facial recognition from, you know, on the person, the participant? And because this is, right, they're essentially interacting with an interactive video. There's nothing, it's not necessarily looking and assessing the person who's actually the learner on the other side, correct? Right. All, all the behaviors that are needed to trigger the reaction of the guy on the screen are already in the script. Okay. So here, we are not in front of a mirror where you look at yourself and find and try to find the best expression. This is not the, the kind of exercise. Yep. This is not. This is not that. Yeah. The kind of exercise here is that of recognizing those subtle communication that comes from the counterpart, whatever you do, whatever you say. And so whatever is your behavior, it's already inside the script. And the script is so well scripted that when you read that, you go through immediately the idea of how you would bring it to, 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 to life. Yeah. OK. OK. So another point of the user experience here is what happens after the conversation. You should imagine yeah. that 
conversation like this will, will last something in between 10 to 15 minutes. It depends very much on the way you play and the story, the script behind every single conversation. But let's say 10, 12 minutes. What happens afterwards is very much important. So the first thing that happens at the end of, of the conversation is the following. Let me show the next one. We ask the user to take a minute or two to reflect about his performance. Okay. So How basically, do you think they did? Yeah. What the system does is scans your conversation and pop-ups with a few questions that are uh, triggering the most critical steps of the conversation according to the system. So things like, do you think you did right asking that type of question at that very moment? Or do you think the guy understood about your message when it came to blah, blah, blah? And so, so this so one question on this before you dive into it. So those that those self-assessments are based on the performance of what you did. It's not just a standard, it's always the same thing. Yeah, it's based on your performance, and they are selecting to trigger specific areas where we believe but from the system that you didn't perform that well and probably your self-awareness was not that high. There are, okay. there are three algorithms here that measure that. So basically you just, you know, pick your answers here. And that's very important because at the end, when we go to the metrics, we will compare your self-assessment with the assessment done by the system. And the, the closer the two, the higher your self-awareness. Okay. That's another key point of the methodology because the higher self-awareness, the faster you learn, the faster you change. And that's pretty easy. I mean, you can't how, fix something if you don't see that it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. But you, you don't know how many people believe that you have a very high self-awareness and instead they don't. Again, here we have tons of data and the reality is, again, people are not confident with conversation and the less the confident they are, the more they pretend to be and they, the more they go in and, and, and the less they, I mean, they, they are at the very spot when it's needed. With their so the next step after the self-assessment is a punch in your stomach. This is something that, <laughs> yeah, this is the, yeah, this is the dream. This is my, my dream in real life. And that's one of the reasons I invented this part, the feedback. Can you imagine having a conversation with anyone and then when you leave the room and close the door, it looks like you're still there. The guy doesn't know you are there and you can listen to his free chat to someone else about the conversation he had with you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's, so you actually finish explaining this because I have some follow-up questions on this. Yeah, one. That, that's really amazing. What happens is that at the end of the conversation, this guy's name Luke, and we meet Luke for a problem about his priority setting. So we are his manager. We need to talk to him about this and we have a conversation and probably at the end he says something like, okay, boss, I understood. Now I'll do uh, X, Y, Z, that and that. And then he goes back to his office. We follow him. He doesn't notice. Of course, this is a movie, so we can do that. And we spot him calling his colleague can say, hey, I tell you what, I was with my boss. Let me tell you what happened there. And he started to say subjective things, very emotional and very much related to the conversation we had, even if that conversation was played in real time with no certain outcome because it was according to the flow that was going on. So so instead of instead of the the character just telling you, hey, here's how I feel this is, you're almost you're carrying that honestly movie cinematic approach, which is you finish it and then you're following back as a silent partner, almost watching, okay, let's hear what they really had to say about say yeah. about the conversation. Yeah, that's very powerful. And you know why? When you tell people, when you give people feedback about their performance, people tend to be defensive. I mean, if I tell you, hey, look, your performance here is not that good. This is, is a challenge between me and you, and that's natural. I mean, that's human. But if you listen to someone else, I mean, and I'm sure it happened to you as well. You go by, you pass by the corridor, and you can hear someone talking, and you understand they're talking about you, and your heart starts bumping because, of course, it's a totally different experience. And Interesting. Interesting. That worked so well. But we weren't happy enough with that. This is the first of three different parts of the feedback. We believe that you change by doing two things, experiencing and learning from your experiences. 
That's it. That's the methodology. So we decided to go for a very lifelike experience in the simulation. And then we decided to bring in three different types of feedback. The first one is this one we just talked about, which is the emotional feedback. And immediately afterwards, a slap in the face is boom, numbers, metrics. Okay. So basically, we turn the whole thing around and we stop going emotional and we go very, very objective. So okay. we say, hey, look, the conversation had a certain number of objectives. Here they are. Did you manage to reach those objectives or not? Then the conversation could be split in several steps or phases. What was your score in every single phase? Then let's dive into the competencies and skills, which skills, which behaviors affected the, affected the conversation. And most of all, again, what is your general score in confidence and self-awareness? So for every single interview you play, you can dive to the point of understanding the impact of every single behavior during the conversation on the guy you have talked to and so on the performance generally speaking of the conversation this is the second step and it's very much important and let me bring in the human here we 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 talk a lot about having the human in the loop and i believe that when you go for training having human in the loop is so important because we are humans and we want to interact with humans and there are a lot of solutions out there we decided to bring the human strictly where it is necessary. And the reason is that we need to be scalable because practice requires scalability. So we decided to take the human off the, off the screen during the simulation because we believe we have developed enough AI to deliver something which is authentic enough to make things uh, be very authentic. But we bring the human back because any learning and development professional can enter the system, enter the platform, select one conversation played by you, Chris, maybe last week, go in, check the entire conversation, check out the metrics, and then come back to you and say, hey, let's discuss about this point. Let yeah. me ask you a powerful question about this. And let me go into the so last one. Before you do, one question yeah. on these feedback pieces, flip back, is, is the learner itself... Um, is the learner itself, do they know going into this, do they know that those seven key capabilities are what's being measured or are they fly in blind and then they finish and then they're, they're presented with that? I'm just curious in terms of the, the experience yeah. standpoint. Sorry for missing this point. Of course, at the beginning, even before you play the conversation, there is a key step, which is called the preparation room. Which is, by the way, something that people sometimes forget to do in real life. I mean, they need to have a conversation with someone, for example, for giving feedback and they don't prepare. And so yeah. they, they go there just improvising and the result is, of course, uh, something that doesn't work at all. So what we do is we deliver a preparation room when you learn about Luke, in this case, which is one of our many characters, you know about the conversation, the context, the topic, the things we're going to measure, the kind of things you should do, the kind of things you probably shouldn't do according to the types of profile that Luke is playing today. So you have a lot of elements that you can reconnect afterwards in this screen that we call the analytics. Okay. So with that, because I think this is, and I get, I get into some, some deep discussions on this topic and I'm interested in your thoughts on this because for me, my personality is I, I tend to just be like, throw me in the deep end and let me learn from it. I don't, I don't want to be forced to go through a bunch of, of content ahead of time and, and told all this stuff. Just let me try it. Give me the feedback. And then, then maybe I'll kind of want to do that. Other folks I know are like, no, I want, I want to learn first. I want that expectation. Do you have some flexibility yeah. with that for the learner so that it's, if they want to just jump in and say, you know what, I just let me try it. Can they do that? Yeah. The only thing you can't decide is about saying whatever you want for the yep. reason you okay. explained before, but you can do whatever else. I mean, you can start diving, playing with the guy, or you can prepare for the conversation. You can even start a conversation, decide it's, it, it didn't start that with the right foot, you can close it and start over again, just to okay. discover it's going to be a little different. Or you can even spend a lot of time in the metrics. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I, I appreciate that people have different styles of learning. Yeah. So this is totally flexible. What matters is that the more you try to follow a certain way of practicing and the more your practice will be 
performing. I mean, just like going to a, a tennis class, of course, you can do whatever you want. But if you follow, you know, the guidelines of someone who is there and maybe is paid for helping you improve faster, okay. it's going to be better. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just sometimes I feel like in L and D we sometimes get caught up in this you know clockwork orange type methodology where you know it's like we're going to force people to consume the content before we let them do anything. And yeah. I I know for my personality that drives me nuts. I'm like just let me do it, yeah. and then then I'm happy to learn where I where I need it. But don't don't assume I need everything before I do anything. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one of the limitations, by the way, of traditional role play, where you are forced to sit in front of someone else with people around you and you need to go through a script for a certain amount of time. And that's typically one of the limitations there. Here, the fact that you can play alone in your room, in your office, wherever you want, in your car, because this is mobile as well. So okay. it lets you go the way you want. And by the way, you can decide which conversation you want to select to be discussed with someone else like a trainer or a peer or whatever. And so let, let me show you the next step of, of, of this. And this is the one closing the loop. We call it the augmented replay, which is uh, one of the tools coming with the feedback. That's at the end of the analytics. Basically, what we do is, okay, you have played your conversation. You have self-assessed yourself on certain questions. You have attended one emotional feedback of someone else talking about you without thinking of being noticed. Then you have seen a certain number of metrics. Now you can sit back, relax, take your popcorns, and look at the entire conversation once again from a third-party point of view. So basically, what we're going to do here is we replace the choices you've pressed with uh, uh, voiceover, so audio. So you can see the full movie of your conversation. You can stop, play, pause, skip from step to steps. You can see something here. But the thing is that on screen, some balloons will pop up, and this is the augmented reality. You can see that blue blue curve here, the blue line, that gives you the quality of your performance, so your, uh, your confidence along the way. And the balloons will tell you what was the quality of what you said and what was the real-time reaction of this guy. And then you see there are some buttons here. You can press details you can, and you can dive in with things like showing the body language of the guy at that very moment and understanding what that body language was meaning. Here, another big challenge of them all. I mean, everybody fight with the capability of recognizing people's body language. Unfortunately, body language is 90% of communication. So here is where you can practice understanding exactly the small nuances of the, and their meanings. And again, the fact that you can review this conversation over and over again, and you can ask your trainer, tutor, coach, peer, boss, whatever, to go inside and give a look as well. We have a lot of coaches around the country that basically go in, start one conversation like this, take one spot, like, I don't know, step number 15, and start asking you a powerful question. Hey, Chris, is that normal for you to address people that way as you did in this conversation? And you know what happens after one minute, you're no longer talking about that simulated conversation, but that was a trigger to start talking about the way you normally do the, that, that job. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny, this is this is coming up in the conversation, in the comments a lot. And it's, I completely agree with it. The, the folks watching are agreeing it, with it. And I actually had this conversation uh, this week about this topic is we don't frequently think about the metrics behind conversation, right? The behavior behind it. We, we say, well, that conversation didn't go well or it went well, but we don't always take the time to say what specifically about it is what made it go wrong or right. And, you know, I, I think about some of the things that, that I'm doing now, you know, where we talk about, well, where where is it going south and what would you do differently? And I think that's you know, it, it is very important to be able to do that because how can you improve? You can't just say to somebody, hey, you did a really bad job on that. Next time, do better with that conversation. That's not actionable. I can't do anything about yeah. that. And so the feedback loop, it's not only telling you, hey, here's, you know, here's the feedback on this, but you get a chance to actually dive in and break down what, yeah. what did happen along the way. 
Yeah, this is the magic here, because once again, you have several ways of looking at the experience you did here. You can go very high level, like, was I confident enough? Did I express my self-awareness very high level? You can go mid-level, like, let me see what is the reaction in people. Because sometimes, I'll give you one example. You give a feedback to someone, and you will at the end of the story, he will tell you, is one of your reports, and will tell you, okay, Chris, don't worry, I will do that. You know what? Nine times out of ten, he, he, he tells you that and nothing happens afterwards because he, you didn't generate a consensus. You just generate a, 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 just a merely yes because you had to say that. And yep. the lower your self-awareness, the lower your understanding. And then you spend three weeks, and nothing happens and you wonder why. Here, when you go in the emotional feedback, Luke will tell you, hey, I told to Chris, yes, but come on, forget about that. He will forget about this in a week and I will continue my way. And so this will tell you, look, it, it, didn't, it, it didn't click. It, it didn't accept your way of doing things for certain reasons. And so you can delve in and go down to the smallest detail of your conversation to understand that maybe at that very moment, instead of a closed-end question, you could have asked an open-ended one or whatever else. So one, because I... So I have a strong opinion on this, but I'm interested in how you combat this because inevitably, right, you've got the data and the research behind what are these behaviors that make it go well or don't, right? And some of those things. One of the challenges I know I've faced over my career is sometimes you can come up and say, hey, here's the data. These are the behaviors we're focusing on. And you can run into situations, I, I doubt I'm alone in this, where you're met with no, that's not it. You know, our business is different. Our industry is different. Those aren't really the challenges that we face. And and my personality is, well, no, it they're the same. But how do you combat or how do you work with people to help them understand that I get you may be in a different industry, you may be in a different situation, but we're telling you these are the behaviors that actually do impact these outcomes. Yeah. Well, generally speaking, of course, we cannot please them all. So I, <laughs> you win yeah, some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But out of this joke, I mean, the point is here is not about an industry or even a single company. We're not instructing people. Here is about human beings talking to each other. And there are, I mean, thousands of pages of literature here already written that tell us how people behave, how people communicate, and how people react against certain types of communication. So let me tell you that this is one thing I, I, I love to say. We, we deliver technology, of course. This is a digital role play is, is, fully, is fully on in technology, but we don't consider Skill Gym a technology company. We consider Skill Gym a company of methodology of learning. So what we did here was, first thing, was developing a curriculum. A curriculum is something where we start saying, okay, which type of conversation really matter? What type of skills really matter in those conversations? What type of people we normally meet with? And here there are several models. We have brought those models together and we selected eight different types of characters that no matter what you're going to meet, whether they are your clients, your boss, your employee, or whatever, in any industry, you're going to meet with those people. In fact, one of the reactions that normally people have when playing with our characters are, hey, this man this in the picture, by the way, is called Mark. This Mark is exactly my colleague next door. Okay. And that's amazing. In the end, what we do is we work on such a small brick called observable behavior that that observable behavior is unquestionably something that is universal. Of course, it very much depends on the quality you develop the story because you need to be surgical in delivering the perfect type, delivering the perfect shade of behavior. But when you reach that level, and we have a lot of people working with us with a lot of expertise here, you definitely dig into human conversations. And you don't need to go to the point of instructing people on how to answer that call for that specific call center selling that specific product. That's not what we do. Okay. So in those situations, though, because, right, and I think this is that balance of customization versus, you know, what, what is truly transferable. Do you, do you have customers or have you worked with people where they say, hey, we get that part, right? And in terms of the behaviors we're driving, Skill Gym can help us drive those behaviors. Have you worked with orgs that then take that to the next level and say, okay, let's drive these behaviors 
And now let's augment that with our, you know, with something that's really specific to us or some specific use cases so that people say, yes, we're building the right behaviors. And now we're giving people a chance to apply them to a proprietary or organization specific circumstance. Do you have that? Yeah, several times, and that's the best part of our job. Well, let me start state that we we normally we consult our clients. So of course, customizing is something that can be done, but of course it takes time and takes more money than going off the shelf. So it must be meaningful. So the first thing we do is we help our clients to understand whether it's really the case for to go for custom. And when it is, that's the part of the of our job we enjoy most. Because it's just like going to Disneyland. I mean, the clients start writing down the stories and they go mad. I mean, that's really, really a fun job because you enter the detail with, with our people. You, you start writing stories, bringing in your behaviors the way you do, and that's where the magic happens. But most of the times, what happens is that we help our clients. And this is another important point finding the way to match their competency model with our skills and behaviors. Okay. That's a key point because another challenge we normally see in every organization we work with is that they spend a lot of effort developing a so-called competency model. And there the challenge is telling their employees what that competency model means in yeah. the everyday life. So what does it mean? Uh, something like inspiring leadership. What does it mean? <laughs> you know? Strategic thinking. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. I mean, you, you go with some things that look very, very nice, but then in the end, tomorrow morning, what shall I do? So what we do here is we take their competency model, we match them with our skill system inside our skill gene. And so the system gets great because you play one conversation, I tell you, look, you did poor on that competency, and I tell you that competency where was played inside the simulation. And you can go down to the detail of okay. every single word you played. So from an analytics standpoint on that one, then, you know, as an organization, obviously, yes, I as if I'm the learner, I can look at, you know, how I performed, I can see what I did. I'm assuming managers can as well at an at an you know, organizational level, can you start to heat map or look at some of these analytics to say, hey, we've identified this is a clear area of development or a clear opportunity where we need to, to improve our skill set? Well, you know what? Once you have the data, the sky is the limit. And the point is, uh, uh, what probably one of the three things, but one really makes a difference when you add the word digital to role play is the fact that you can measure whatever you want. Yeah. So what SkillGym does is we start from the very bottom. And so the, the smallest thing we measure is one single behavior applied in one single step of the dialogue with one sentence. And then we build up upon that. We go up on different layers we come up to the competency and then we start to measure along the way all the simulation you played and we start giving you trends so we can give you the idea of how you are improving where your gaps are how your population is distributed across uh, uh, you know several different kpis that can go from your learning agility your confidence, as we mentioned before, your self-control, and many more competencies and skills. We measure over 50 different KPIs here. So absolutely, yes. Okay. So how about this one? Because as, as you know, for folks that may be in a global organization or a global capacity, there's always that challenge of, of language, right? Of different languages and things like that. And so, you know, with the simulations or with these videos, do you have the capacity or is it built into the system now that, you know, you can have these scenarios play out in different languages for people? Yeah, well, of course. Let me say that we normally call it localization. We don't call yeah. it translation. And the reason is we, we just don't we don't just change, you know, the language. We change all. So for okay. example, it's a good we, distinction. It's a very yeah. good distinction. Yeah, that, that, that guy, that Luke, which was in my screenshot, that's uh, one guy that if you look at the German or the French version of the same simulation, is even a different actor. Okay. I mean, so we, we, we change all. We even change the background. I mean, you need to feel like you are next door. So we yeah. do that. We localize in several languages. 
our off-the-shelf library, which covers today leadership training, including first-time manager onboarding. Imagine how important it is for newly appointed manager to develop their leadership skills through conversations. Then we are starting to work now with DNI, so diversity and inclusion and huh? digital transformation, things where conversation make the entire difference. Here we work for the US market mainly, and so we have developed something which is fully fledged for the US culture, but we are also localizing in several other languages. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an you bring up an important distinction in terms of translation versus localization. And I think with this type of thing, that nuance is a is an important distinction because even the way conversations happen in different regions they're different. It's not, you know, you can't just take it, change the text or change the words and have it have it make a fit. So that's that's extremely helpful. Yeah. By the way, we, we consider our platform a melting pot of cultures. I mean, even for the U.S. market, we deliver the men of color, the white man, the Indian, the, the leaps in the U.S., the Chinese, the American born Chinese. I mean, we, we put them all together. They, they speak in English, but they have their own culture, even in the gestures. You see how a gesture is different from the way you do. And so this is what we reflect in our simulation. OK, so you're including that diversity into the platform itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how about this, right? I think a lot of these emerging technologies and just some of these new ways of thinking, I, I think are much needed in our industry. Sometimes the, the challenge is getting the L&D organization to think differently or know that there is some, some work that has to be done on the front end. What are some of the things that you, know, you see when you work with clients on making this transition into this, that they really need to either do some work or, or change their mindset to make the most of it? Because you can't, I, I have to imagine you set clear expectations with people that simply buying Skill Gym and doing the same of what you've been doing isn't going to magically fix everything that's going on in your org. Yeah, of course. Well, it's never about technology alone. Of course, right. technology is just a commodity. This is, and I, and I tell you this as a vendor of technology. I mean, technology is nothing if you can change your mindset and, and do something to make sure that it will fit your culture. Let me mention a couple of big challenges that we help them to overcome. One is the fact that e-learning, for some reason, has spoiled the way we can deliver online training because of this compliance-based learning where people just you know they click to go to the end so there is a you know a little bit of a bad reputation with e-learning yeah of course so one thing we normally do is we deliver something which is emotionally involving is something unpredictable is something that realize uh, the possibility of having that conversation in a safe environment so this is a key point then there is another key point that our clients typically struggle a little bit with at the very beginning, but then they understand it makes a lot of sense, which is this is not a one-shot learning activity. Okay. We, call, we call it the pit stop. I mean, you won't change the ability of people in dealing with conversation by taking a couple of days class plus some follow-up. You, okay. need, you need weeks. You need months. Then here it comes the third point. The typical objection is I don't have time. And that's the objection of the 21st century. I mean, I, I still have to listen to someone telling me I have a lot of time. So the point is, it seems like, you know, there is a struggle between I ask you to play more and more because you need to be consistent, just like going to a gym. And then you tell me I don't have time. So what we do is we have those, Yeah, that, that's what normally happens. So we invented one thing, one thing, which is called the butler which is something that someone told me I should need the butler in my real life. So the butler is a system that will pop up with an email and say, hey, Chris, I am Luke, for example, one of my characters. Why don't we schedule one conversation? And then he will give you a doodle with a calendar and you go in and you settle the conversation, for example, next uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Then you click OK and one calendar invitation comes to your email and it goes in your calendar. Guess what? People find their time. And the reason why the two of us are here at this very moment, it, it's because it was in my calendar and in your calendar. Otherwise, we won't be here. We if are. I if I didn't have my calendar, I would miss everything. Yeah, of course. We, we are hardwired with our calendar. So one of the things is that if you want to change people's behaviors, they need to practice for longer than you think. And this could be something you think you have to struggle with. But the good news is that if you use one 
solution like skill gym you will have one system that will be the best way you, you bring people in because engagement will we will rise because they simply schedule that conversation just like if it was a real one and it happens it happens like that so i would say these are the two main things making people think about practicing overtime and keeping them engaged those are the challenges but we we go a long way with our solution and by the way if you think about sport everybody would agree that you can't play proper tennis if you don't play consistently and so the right. question is what why this doesn't happen in business life. Well, and I think the other the other challenge with that is sometimes we have this goal of, right, we want everybody to do it. You know, we, we, our expectation is if we can get everyone to, the reality is, I think, and, and this is at least my take, sometimes you're going to get people that just don't, you know, they, they just yeah. don't. And we have to be okay with that and say, well, then yeah. we need to look more at what the problem is there, right? Why is this individual engaging yeah. in no way, shape or form versus yeah. like, let's hit them with more emails or send more, send more, you know, calendar invites because it's not happening. You know what normally happens in our experience. And then I would like to give you a few numbers so that you yeah. have an idea of what happens when you go with scheduling. What normally happens is that people, this goes viral. I mean, sometimes we run pilots, which is the best way to start with, with a solution like scheduling. You, you run a pilot with a small number of people, 20, 50 people, and you see what happens. And when it's a pilot, you start seeing people in the company say, hey, why I was not invited in that? Because it goes viral. That's a movie. I mean, when, when you mentioned the episode of Black Mirror, that, that's the kind yeah. of emotion you generate. Let me give you a couple of numbers. Normally, one of the questions is, how long does it take to develop? How long does it take to develop a skill like communication? Well, normally we see that a typical leader, we, we of course we address leadership conversation in skill gym. So let me talk about what we know very well. Even if we also address the, the salespeople as well. So what normally happens is that after three months of consistent practicing where one people play one conversation every other week, which means less than one hour per month practicing and which is by the way no-brainer because you receive a calendar invitation in your yeah. calendar so you just schedule that one hour per month couple of times and in three months on average people increase their confidence in leadership conversation of, of about 25 percent and they increase their self-awareness of about 30 percent there are some statistics in our website and i invite you to give a look if you, if okay. you want to learn more yeah. So one one other question that came through um, from Peter that I think is I think it's a good one. Um, I, well, not I think it is. It's a really good one. Is you know how do you avoid this this kind of situation where because people know they're being measured or they know this is some sort of learning experience, they may not necessarily be being their true selves. Do you see that? And if so, how does how do you get around that? Right. Good question. Well, first of all, we get measured every day, every time. So people know perfectly in, in their business environment that they get measured in whatever they do and in training as well. The point is how performing is that measurement? So the problem is not getting measured. The problem is getting measured the wrong way. But as long as you know that you get measured with a system that is very precise and is dying away to help you improve, and as long as the culture of your company will support this to happen by giving a clear statement from the learning and, the, and development, but also from the leadership of the company saying that this is not here to measure you, this is here to help you improve, then the magic happens. Yeah. You, you hit on an important piece, and I think this is one of those bigger challenges we face in L&D, that there are circumstances outside, and, and you hit on it with the culture piece. I think that that risk of people being afraid to be their true selves hits back on an organizational culture challenge that you may have where you, know, you really need to, and I think this gets back to what is a way do you make the most of this if you were to use it is making sure you're setting clear expectations on this yeah. isn't, this isn't, you know, a punishment. This isn't something that's going to, this is an opportunity for you to develop. This is an opportunity yeah. for you to safely fail. Yeah, let, let me add one word. This is a game. Yeah. This is a game. I mean, the key point is people play skill gym because they enjoy playing skill gym. It's, it's a game. It's very safe. It's something where you can fail and you can understand why you can improve. You know that metrics are very objective, very 
equal to anyone. And when we introduce skill gym in any organization, the first thing we do is we train the trainer to make sure they understand that this tool needs to be delivered with the sense of the right culture behind it. Then, given yeah. that, of course, there can be situations where it may be not appropriate to do training in this type of way. We, we totally accept that. Awesome. Well, hey, I, I we could go for, for much longer. And, you know, thanks to everybody who's been tuning in. The questions have been phenomenal. And I look forward to the discussion continuing. You know, Andre, I would encourage you and the team to, to look at the comments that have come through and respond to those. But uh, thanks for being here. It was great to, one, learn more about Skill Gym and just sit down and, and talk with you. So thanks for the time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. For those of you who, who may be watching or watch the video later, feel free to reach out if you want to learn more. Um, also, if you want my off-camera perspective, my website is up and you can join our community where we can just talk and keep the conversation going. So have a happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for being here, Andrea, and uh, look forward to, to staying in touch. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. And by the way, anyone who wants to hands-on test it, just let us a call and we'll be happy to show it. There is nothing like trying. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you.